Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Sabrina and today I'll be discussing plastics, primarily aquatic, oceanic plastic pollution. I'll begin with an overview of this environmental issue, um, more of its moral and ethical reasonings behind it, and then we'll dive into the environmental, the economic, and the political aspects of this crisis. So to begin, I figured we should discuss um, at least three things you should know about plastics in the ocean. Number one being that plastics do not biodegrade. So most plastic is made from petroleum, which for those of you who know, comes from millions of years old natural decay, you know, dinosaur time. Um, But in modern day manufacturing, there's a certain step that turns this petroleum um, into a material that isn't recognizable by organisms that would normally break down this organic matter. So that's what gave it its durability, which was once, you know, it's prize over in the 40s, um, 40s and 50s, but now we have begun seeing that we're dealing with the consequences in this current generation. Second is that plastics break up. So they don't break down in the environment naturally. They break up into smaller bits known as microplastics. So these smaller, smaller pieces become brittle um, and they begin... Um, poisoning, saturating our oceans and our soil. And three, I wanted to talk about the bioaccumulation in wildlife. So it's this idea of toxins. It's starting small. So think of plankton that eats this basically microscopic uh, toxin. And then larger fish eat these plankton. Larger fish eat those fish. And eventually it lands on uh, our plates as humans, which shouldn't be the end-all reason. However, this, these toxic levels accumulate um, into higher concentrations, thus that's why people get sick from mercury poisoning, and that's why we see um, fish and other birds and wildlife being poisoned by not being nourished by what they think they're eating, and instead it's chemicals that are killing them. Beginning with the misconceptions of recycling, which is a huge eco-fail. So on January 1st of 2017, China decided to stop accepting most of the U.S.'s recyclables. So for those of you who don't know, before the ban, China had possessed half of the world's exports of waste. So that's being paper, metals, and of course, used plastic. And the question is, why did they stop? And... It's because Americans are terrible at recycling. About 25% of what we send to them is contaminated. So we're basically just sewing whatever we want, right? So wire hangers, maybe pizza boxes, ketchup bottles, and they're all mixed plastics and materials. So it's harder for these low-paid workers to sort through it and clean it up. It's become so expensive that the U.S., We don't deal with it ourselves because it's cheaper just to make new plastics. So in comparison, that's why we don't deal with our own recycling. So the waste management companies uh, around the world are saying no because honestly, there's no more market for their recycling because one, I guess one choice they have is paying much higher rates to get rid of the recycling. So paying for the processes to pick up the recycling bins, to sort through it. And this can increase 
the cost of up to 63%, which is completely ludicrous. But the other option is to throw it away for no cost, technically, right? So, of course, most are choosing the latter. And they're defending themselves by saying, we're trying to do our best to be environmentally responsible, but we simply can't afford it. And this is an important aspect of sustainability management as we create accessible options for people and just simply raising prices to keep these functionings going is not an accessible um, aspect so it's a big bummer because as we've come to this end of a recycling market since the big household acceptors of um, of waste are saying no more it's actually at the same time that the u.s is creating more waste than ever so it's truly become a crisis in the full sense of the word. So let's just go back to why China and other countries are actually saying no more. And of course, there are environmental and economic reasons. So China is desperate for the materials because they manufacture so much plastic and paper. Of course, we joke around and say, oh, everything's made in China. Well, essentially, it kind of is. So they've stopped accepting our foreign, mater our foreign materials to drive up their own market internally. Um, this is to increase their own recycling and the value of the materials within their, their country so they can spend more internally. And this is their aim to clean up their environmental problems and boost their own economy. And it's, uh, it's a reasoning that we have to understand, of course. Vietnam, Thailand, and Malaysia are also closing their doors to accepting U.S. recyclables because, again, we have too much contamination in the plastic we sent, and they don't have the resources, the financial capital to sort and separate through all of this or even place the unrecyclable plastics because there's just so much. And on top of this, it takes so much water to recycle plastic. So financially, it's a complete burden and there's truly no incentive besides ethical and moral reasons to um, continue in this part of the market. Um, one way to help, of course, is um, as besides proper education is actually stricter contamination or recycling reg regulations. Um, I personally believe that manufacturers should be held responsible for what they're creating. I believe it starts there, and there's only so many things individuals can do to create helpful change, and it's an amazing thing, but to get on a higher, a larger scale, we must place this responsibility on manufacturers of what they choose to put out for sale. Um, in the market, it's actually called extended producer responsibility, which is a strategy to add up basically all the environmental costs associated with the product throughout the product's life cycle and to the market price of that product. I believe it's a great place to start. Um, so on that note, we'll start diving into the economic realm of plastic pollution. So not only is this costing us the health of the planet, but it extends into the economic impact of this human-made predicament. Um, and the poor understanding of marine plastic results in impacting our ecosystem services negatively, um, which burdens human well-being, society, and of course the economy. So as stated before, it's cheaper for companies to manufacture using new materials rather than recycled ones. Um, it's, it's by pennies, but of course those pennies add up when you're selling millions of paper straw, or not paper, plastic straws at McDonald's. Um, 
But because companies don't have to bear the cost of disposal, there's no incentive to manufacture products out of material that would be easier to recycle. Uh, the best way truly to fix recycling is probably persuading people to buy less, but that's pretty hard sell in the United States where consumer spending is how we equate strong economy. Um, so more money, more products, and this circle kind of continues. So, But in our market, though, everything we buy always needs, they're designed basically to sell more things. So think of our phones, we need chargers, we need headphones, we need this, that, this, appliances for kitchen, um, everything needs more. So it's kind of a big question that policy makers, um, specifically the director of San Francisco Department of the Environment, Debbie Raphael, she asked, how do we get people to get excited about less? And that's a question that's really stuck with me. So I hope that while you're listening kind of um, pins in the back of your mind. A second major economic concern, of course, is the aquatic services. So fishing, um, the fishing industry, coastal rec uh, recreation. So basically, goodbye marine life and healthy ecosystems. Um, all this plastic, of course, has a direct impact on marine life, which have underlying financial costs. Like, the fishing industry is an obvious economic victim in the declining health of our oceans. So, fear of fish are being caught, and the fact that what is caught nowadays is often poor in quality. It's toxic. You can't eat it. Or it's filled with things, so no one wants to buy it. Um, so, having less healthy oceans means less healthy fish. So now this becomes an environmental justice issue as this impact disproportionately affects the people basically who live in coastal regions and depend maybe their entire livelihoods to eat or survive on um, pescatarian diet. Another vital industry that is now suffering firsthand from marine litter is the tur tourism industry. Um, so basically, bucket list getaway destinations are suffering from lower rates of vacationers as the beaches and oceans are displaying trash and murkier waters, nets casting ashore and less aquatic life and dying coral reefs. And this negatively impacts the value of ecosystem services in a global scale which costs annually hundreds of billions of dollars around the world. For example, in one year, South Korea lost billions in annual revenue that they would typically expect. Um, so these plastic pollution issues directly and indirectly impact tourism, transportation, and, and fishery sectors, as well as human health. And of course, there's the incentive, the, not the incentive, but the the claim, why don't we just remove some of the plastics? And we can, but it's very time consuming, it's expensive, and in essence, it's simply inefficient in the methods that we do it. Beginning to move on now into policy. We're beginning to ban plastics, yay! Um, but specifically on single-use plastics, which are the disposable plastics that are basically used for packaging and the ones that are used once before they're thrown away and you know sometimes hopefully recycled but these include but aren't limited to grocery bags um, food packaging which is a big one people forget plastic bottles ugh, straws the containers you know ban the straws but don't forget about the containers uh, cuts and of course um, cutlery 
So there's three states in the United States that have taken action to ban certain single-use plastics. Um, in August of 2014, California became the first state to enact legislation imposing a statewide, statewide ban on single-use plastic bags at large retail stores. So it was a big move, um, but the bill also requires a 10 cent minimum charge for recyclable paper bags, um, as well as reusable plastic bags and things like that. Hawaii came second um, as they had a de facto statewide ban on almost all of its um, non-biodegradable plastic bags at checkout. And then lastly, most recently, New York became the third state to ban plastic bags in 2019. Yay, this year. It's so recent. Um, but the law goes into effect on March, tw March 1st of 2020. Um, and it applies to most single-use plastic bags at grocery stores. Um, but even within the grocery stores at the meat and deli counter and bulk food area, um, the bags the bag ban is exempt, um, as well as restaurant takeout bags. But if we really think about it, um, the millions of people who live in New York have to eat. And when they take their groceries, they got to carry it somehow. And it's important that we start this ban in, um, in a sector, the grocery, the food industry sector, um, that produces the most bags. So this is a big victory. It's small steps, of course. And just to think about it, plastic bags, on average, have a lifespan of 12 minutes, which is insane. And New York State Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie, um, she told the Associated Press that the convenience of plastic bags is simply not worth the environmental impact. So we're beginning to see in our legislation that um, we need to reduce our our usage because we don't want to see these this litter in communities um, or in our waterways and from the bags we go on into the straws the banning plastic straws movement which has made my environmental activist heart oh so happy so so far cities actually began in this grassroots method of taking matters into their own hands and passing legislation to ban plastic straws. Um, recently, just on March 15th, 2019, there was a recent global legislation meeting um, to discuss single-use uh, plastics. And the first policy was proposed by Norway, Japan, and Sri Lanka. And they were hoping to um, coordinate this international um, policy on marine plastic litter and, and microplastics by creating this legally binding agreement to address this issue. The second was proposed by India, simply seeking to promote the phase out of single-use plastics worldwide. Amazing, right? But guess again, of course, there were and always are uh, people who po push back primarily from plastic companies. And they do this because they're backed by a strong industry of lobbyists with over $200 billion invested in the petrochemical um, industry. So um, their aim is to expand plastic production, but this movement, of course, threatens their, their income. So these lobbyists hindered the progress of this meeting, um, which kind of disrupted the urgency needed to address this issue. However, even with these challenges from, let's call them what they are, narrow-minded, greedy corporations, um, the, co the committed committee 
um, they're cooperative. And this movement uh, is really multi-level, multi-governance level of individuals, cities, countries, and they're strong. So we're already on a successful track towards getting closer to the ultimate goal of ending the circulation of single-use plastic. Um, you know, beginning by straws, and we'll move on to the next thing until we address this plastic pollution crisis. And to begin winding down now, um, we tackled this earlier in, um, in the semester, the tragedy of the commons. So we related it to air pollution, how acting on self-interest, basically not caring or solely focusing on personal financial profit, ultimately destroys the resource or the environment. Um, so much so that no one create the benefits of this common resource. And just as it applies to air pollution, um, this applies to water pollution. And ultimately, water is the ultimate element needed for survival on this planet. So in my eyes, plastic pollution is the new tragedy, tragedy of the commons. Um, there's goals towards progress to this very real and very current issue, which are opportunities for reduction, management, and changes to the global community's relationship with plastic. So let me just paint this picture. Oceans have been identified as a common resource that are susceptible to degradation and overexploitation. And in our modern plastic era, blech, plastic debris in marine environments have become as much as a commons and a tragedy, as is the ocean itself. And solutions to managing this tragedy, this plastic pollution tragedy, as any commons, are multifaceted, requiring a mixture, basically, of regulation between economics and community-based efforts. And I believe that this multi-governance on both local and global scales um, must be approached in context with economic and biodiversity goals, which um, is basically sustainability management. Um, my ideas of a successful, helpful impact would, of course, include a holistic approach. Um, as a perma permaculturist, as an environmentalist, ecofeminist, um, I believe we should move away from this linear economic model, which is producing, using, and disposing. It just dies. Blah. But I believe we should transition into a more circular economy that begins with innovative engineering that works towards sustainable products aimed to minimize waste. Um, this economic shift is definitely, um, it will definitely complement a societal shift that accepts that less can be truly more, even as we advance in our lives with technology. Of course, I encourage my listeners to do some personal research on how to limit their, their waste, their, their, um, consumer habits, and maybe become more self-reliant in creating your own DIY um, skincares or find alternatives to what you depend on, such as straws, maybe carrying a spoon with you instead of taking the plastic utensils at your Chipotle. Um, but I thank you for the time you've shared with me in listening to issues that affect us all. We are interconnected with the environment and it is our duty to protect it, to protect her, as she has been there for us for millions of years. So with that, I'll sign off. Thank you again, and cheers.